Talking Toro number 12, uh, Torino win at Verona. We get, um, yeah, we've reached 50 points, which was one of the one of the targets uh, this podcast set last week. And the other, the other target was to finish um, in the top 10. And without um, without speaking too soon, we could probably be probably be a little bit optimistic on that, maybe even finishing ninth if, uh, if things go our way. Um, so good win at Verona. I'll let, um, I'll let Rob uh, pick up the baton in a minute. And then, unfortunately, the kind of 48 hours after Verona, personally after Verona, I was feeling as positive as I have for a while. It's the, um, the old Calcio and Mercato um, uh, rumours have started. And um, yeah, it's not, all, it's not all made positive reading. But Anyway, a one nil win at Verona. Juric goes back to the Bentegodi and uh, Torino take three points. Rob, what did you make of it all? Yeah, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was a good performance, good uh, solid win, and I think Hellas had a like a good couple of chances straight after after the goal. Um, but second half, and I always felt a bit comfortable. It had a bit of a it's a bit of a sort of a nasty game. A couple of really bad challenges. Um, I think Hellas had two of their three centre-backs uh, yellow carded all in the first half and then the third centre-back somehow managed to avoid uh, a yellow card would be probably the worst challenge of the three. Um, but yeah, it was a, a promising performance. It's, it's, it was one, going to be one or two ways. I always felt whether who was going to be up for it more, whether it was going to be the former sort of Verona players sort of coming to face Juric or Juric going to see his former team. And I, I got the feeling Juric was going to be properly up for it. And Torre didn't really... Um, weren't sort of as, as aggressive as Hellas were, but I thought they were a better team. I thought Hellas were quite poor, actually. Um, gave gave the ball away uh, quite often, especially in the first half, which sort of presented Torino with possession and and with uh, Prayat in the team, just look totally different going forward, just a bit more creativity. Uh, Brekelow had a chance just before his goal, which was sort of set up by, Bre- uh, set up by Prayat, uh, where he probably should have squared it to him um, for an easy goal, but then sort of made a mockery of, of that by, by scoring a, a great goal himself, sort of a solo effort. Um, we'll, we'll sort of get, go on to Josip uh, in a little bit later, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, other things that I noticed in the game, uh, like I mentioned, they had a, a good chance or a good spell straight after uh, the Reclo goal uh, and Barisha made a really good save. Um, I think it was from Lazovic. Um, and I think actually, I think we're probably both being in agreement that we need a, a goalkeeper next season, but I'd be more than happy to have Barisha as a second choice. He's he's only made one real mistake since maybe two, uh, since he's come into the uh, side. And I think he'd, he'd be a reliable sort of second choice who isn't going to let you down if, if called upon. He's quite experienced and usually for sort of second choice goalkeepers, you usually go for sort of like a young kid coming up or, or somebody a bit of a sort of experienced head and I think Barisha would be a better second choice than the Milinkovic Savage. Um and then I thought one other thing to sort of pick up on was uh, David Zima playing in the sort of Bremer role. Unfortunately it looks like Bremer's played his last game for Torino, which is a is a bit of a shame that the way it's ended um through injury and in all likelihood it looks like he's gonna be sold in the summer. But I thought Zima looked really good. Um and maybe that's sort of his audition in the last couple of games for that sort of uh, centre defender or middle of the of the three at the back uh, role. I thought he I thought he looked good, um, and it would be interesting to see whether whether we do go for sort of like a like for like replacement. I think obviously we need to sign a replacement in the defence, but 
uh, if Lima continues in, in that form against Roma, then, then maybe he's uh, going to have the shirt for the start of the next season. There's one moment at the end, wasn't there, where he charged forward like he did against Lazio, and then it was a combination of ricochets, and Rod- I think Rodrigo has made a re- rare error, and it was eventually Gigi who got us out of a bit bit of a hole. It was like two minutes left, we were in grave danger of, of kind of gifting them a goal. But yeah, Zima played, Zima played well. He looked, um, he looked quite interesting. He's obviously good at bringing the ball out. Um, very proactive, kind of aggressive centre-half. And you would expect that next season he'll be one of the players Juric looks to um, include more regularly. Personally, I would like to see a little bit more. If Bremer leaves, I, I, I don't think the defenders we've got are enough at the moment. I think there needs to be a little bit of quality brought in. I'd, almost have this feeling I do wonder if like a very experienced centre half might come in. Um because there obviously is a kind of back three of the future there. Um with um with Zima and Bongiorno and then um the kind of right hand slide is, is is slightly different. But yeah, just I, I just wonder kind of whether there's you know a kind of safe pair of hands maybe maybe brought in just to just to just to lend a bit of experience and just have a kind of um a reference point in that defence. But I thought he did well. Uh, I agree with you on Berisha. I think he's got a touch of Padelli about him, Berisha. It's just you can't you can't always trust him. But um, I, I think he's actually a better goalkeeper than Padelli. But um, yeah, kind of kind of solid keeper. I think that shot, it was a shot from Lazovic, wasn't it, in the first half? Yeah. The sheer power of it. What wasn't impressive was the save. It was the, um, it's the fact that he was able to push it away from I'll push it into relatively relative safety, whereas I suspect Milinkovic Savic may have pushed that back out into a dangerous area. I, I think uh, with Milinkovic Savic, he'd ended up in the net with it, to be honest. Yeah, it's um, it's a tricky one with him. I just, like I said, I don't see him being a number two keeper because he he is there for his distribution. He's um, he's not there as to be a reliable backup. So, and the fact that Juric is now, you know, with not much, I wouldn't say not much to play for, but you would. St- be looking at next season and the fact that he's not getting game time now would suggest that that Torino are probably looking at Berisha or looking at a kind of new goalkeeper. Let's talk of talk of Golini, let's talk of Cranio. I mean we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the transfer market in the next few weeks, but it is probably an, an area for for investment. Uh, from my side I thought I was quite dist- I had some distractions in the first half. Um and I watched the second half I kind of uh, uninterrupted um, but I thought Aina did really well and then uh, on Twitter I just I saw a lot of the Italian journalists saying how terrible Aina was and he'd had a bad, he was the worst player on the pitch and um, but from what I saw in the second half um, he was always an outball and and aggressive and pushed as I said pushed the ball forward got some good interceptions in um, very different sort of player from from Singo but I thought decision making was generally good he got into a few kind of dangerous positions as well. I just thought his, uh, I thought he looks like he had a lot of energy, um, which at this yeah, stage no, of the season is is I, um, a quality to have. I agreed with you, really. I think there was one stage in the first half where he played a really sort of, just a bit of a sort of naive ball straight back into the um, Verona attacker, where it was sort of like he, he wasn't really looking where he was passing and it went straight into to an opposition player. Um, but no, I agree. I think he... The thing about the Torino side, if you if you look at it as the sort of starter eleven, and for most of the starter 11s, there isn't much pace in that side at all. 
and that right wing back is whether it's iron or whether it's Singo is really that main sort of outlet ball to have a little bit of a little bit of a break from the sort of you've got sort of skilled technical players in in the midfield especially if you think about the game on Saturday so you've got Richie you've got Lukic you've got Prayer Breklo again I think he's a, I think he's a good dribbler but I don't think he's blessed with 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 great pace so I think whoever is playing on that right hand side needs to have a little bit of uh, of pace if you think of, even Voivoda's not not the quickest he's more sort of um, an aggressive sort of aggressive defender so he can sort of get back and get in position and sort of never gives up but um, no I thought I thought I know played played quite well I think in the odd in the odd couple of games he's played well this season I remember the game against um, uh, Milan at home I think he, he played as well and and did quite well and start the season he had a couple of decent performances he's a he's a strange player I think when motivated he, he can um, sort of play really well and one of the frustrations sometimes it's crossing can be a little bit awry sometimes it'll, it'll produce a great great cross into the area the other one it seems like he's literally just sort of like hitting and hoping or just hitting the ball with pace and no real intention of of an opposite of a sort of teammate getting onto the end of it um, but yeah I think again probably a player we'll discuss uh, at a later date but I would be surprised if he was here next season yeah, he won't be there next season. But I, I do think he's a better defender than Singo. I think he's Singo's got his recovery pace. But as you said, in the final third, it's you don't feel when he gets into into space, he's going to deliver the ball, the right ball or the right quality on the ball. But uh, we, we've we've given kind of um, Earpod Iner a bit of criticism in the last few weeks, and I thought just just for balance, he had he, he had a decent game, and he he, he with Singo being out, um, one of a number of players actually to kind of have kind of minor operations at the end of the season. I suspect Ina will play on Friday against Roma, which we'll get onto. And we've got quite a lot to cover um, on this podcast. There's just two other players I want to talk about. One very quickly was when Gigi came on again, he's had a decent season. We have to criticise him because he tends to bring bad luck. Um, But when Gigi came on for Ito, I kind of got a real sense of appreciation of what he brings differently. He's just got so much more pace than Ito. And... um, at that stage of the game when it was getting slightly stretched, he, he got us out of a few situations and used the ball well. Um, whereas I felt Itzo was a classic performance, niggly, aggressive, enjoying his duel, um, taken off because he was probably borderline yellow, red card. Um, yeah, he'd, already been, he'd already been booked for an instant in the first half where he sort of threw, threw himself to the floor. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and talking of kind of lunges when uh, Pellegrini came on um, and I think he, did, he again gave a shift. He's, he's not, he's someone who's kind of very interesting when he came on, obviously he hit the post as well yeah. with a decent effort. Um, but yeah, he just, I, I felt um, there's a, one of the, I think it was a Lazio away game where he lost the ball um, and he lost the ball against Verona and he tried to, rec- he obviously had Juric's, um uh, berating him in, from the Lazio game in his head because he went in two-footed on someone, completely missed the, the player, but if he'd made contact, he, it would have been a straight red. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Juric, I think, came out today or over the weekend and said the club had not made a decision on it. And that's, you know, well, it's all Brinkmanship, which we'll come on to. Um, yeah. And maybe why I'm leading on a bit to the next point because the whole, you know, the, we expect there's going to be an announcement on Belotti this week, and if Belotti, there is a, there is a kind of sense that uh, just even some of the communications coming out of the club that Belotti 
maybe staying or there may be some kind of last minute, at least from the club side, um, uh, rhetoric that they're trying to convince Blotti to stay and they're putting the ball back in his court. But there's one one or two things that make you think, but Juric just said, like before the Roma game, we'll know about Blotti, which if Blotti does decide to stay, then maybe Pellegrini get my point being, I'm not sure how much of Pellegrini will see against Roma if it's the Blotti farewell match and um, how much more, yeah, how much more kind of wriggle room is there for for, for the club to have to, to have a look at him, and decide whether he's worth investing. My personal point of view is, if Blotti stays, I'd sign. I think Pellegrini's a perfect backup. Um, be kind of very interesting player to bring on for Blotti. To uh, if Blotti continues to have fitness issues, I'm not sure if Blotti leaves. Um, I think the club probably just has to review its whole, uh, yeah, its whole kind of. Um, kind of ambition and, and, and where it sees it going. I don't see Pellegri leading the line from the first week of next season, put it that way. Um, but yeah, kind of, there, there were kind of two points, but I guess, yeah, we're, we're leading on to, uh, and uh, I'll let you, uh, let you follow up on this, but there's, there's going to be a bit of news this week around uh, Mandragora, Bellotti, and already about Brecolo, and I'll let you pick up on that. Yeah, so it sort of broke uh, late last night about the, the Brecolo news coming from Germany and the sort of early reports were the fact that Toro wanted to um, sort of take their their option. I think the agreed fee was around 11 million euros, um, but that it was Brecklow himself who sort of said he had no intention of staying, and, and that's why we weren't going to um, sort of make the make the deal permanent. And there was a couple of sort of question marks um, with that sort of statement because he he literally said after the the Verona game that he um, I think I think that was his seventh goal of the season and he thought that he could do even better next season which does didn't say where though did he didn't yeah, say where though yeah well it does it sort of suggest that he was continuing to be in, for the, in the same conditions because yeah you could probably go and score 30 goals if you went and played in the sort of Croatian third division Yossip so by saying that you were going to score more than seven, suggested that it was going to be in the same. He is looking forward to. Team. He's looking forward to those whip balls from Ward Prowse. You know yeah, it. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, well, to be honest, if uh, you've got you've got a lot to answer for, Agent Rob. Yeah, I think if if well, that, that, to address that point, there are there was a rumor last week that Brecklow was um, a name on the sort of Southampton uh, wanted list, but. Um, it, I, it, I suppose it just shows the fickle nature of football fans, to be honest, and, and especially Toro fans, maybe myself included, because after the initial sort of fact that he he was not interested in staying, um, uh, my my reaction was like, oh, we'll, scr- we'll screw him then, and we don't really want anybody at the club who doesn't want to be there. Um, then some sort of conflicting reports came out uh, some, from some Italian sources that suggested that Breckelo wanted to stay and it was Toro who was sort of negotiating the price and didn't want to pay the agreed fee, even possibly negotiating over one or two million euros. In which point, our hatred, well, my hatred especially, went went straight from Breckelo saying, oh, Cairo, typical Cairo, trying to get, trying to lose out on a, a top quality player, a Croatian international for a couple of million pounds, just, just whack that money onto uh, Bremer and just get the done deal, just get the deal done. Um, but finally, as the the soap opera, which seems to have lasted longer than an episode of Hollyoaks, um, it turned out that uh, Davide Vagnati had a interview today um, at the open training ground at Philadelphia, uh, open training session at uh, Philadelphia. Uh, I think he, I think it's a video on the website actually as well. 
Um, and he's confirmed that he's Brecklow, who is the sort of he's the party who doesn't want the sort of the loan or to be made permanent. Uh, I still somewhat question whether that's the case, but then I feel like actually if that's not the case, Brecklow could just easily come out and say that that's not true. So I feel like that probably is the the correct situation. Um, some of the German reports were saying that he, the player, wants to go and play in Spain. Um, so if that's the case, then Southampton's not in Spain. Last time he's not, no, maybe he's, he's. I mean, it's on the coast, so maybe maybe, maybe that would got, do. Maybe the lads got confused. Yeah, yeah. He, maybe he's um, seen a Bill Bow shirt and thought it was uh, thought that's that's why that's where Southampton was. Um, but yeah, I. And and I can guarantee he won't be playing. He won't be signing for Bill Barr next season either. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I think it's a disappointment. I think the only reassuring thing is that it's not sort of the club's fault. I think I'd be really worried if that was the reason why he didn't sign. That we were sort of being reluctant to to sign him over a couple of million pounds. I think Urich would would be really unhappy at that. Um, for the player himself, I think he's had a good season, but not. He does flatter the deceive a little bit. I, I did think even in the game on on Saturday after he scored, I don't remember him touching the ball again or or like having a good opportunity. So sometimes maybe he just sort of scores and then just sort of hides in in a way where like Prayet will always sort of like want the ball. He's always sort of showing for it. Preclo does seem to just hide away a little bit, and he's had good moments. I think he. I think he'll be remembered fondly, maybe not in this sort of immediate aftermath um, place with sort of fans being a little bit disappointed that he's not stayed. And and who knows, maybe if he doesn't get his dream move to the to Spain or the Costa del Southampton, then maybe he'll, um, maybe later on in the window, I mean, he's not going to go on another a loan deal because he's only got one year left on his contract. So whether, if, if he can't find anybody to, to come in for him, whether they'll they'll try and do a, a deal later on, but I don't. I th- I think he's performed well enough, and there's enough hype about him that he won't struggle to find a new club. Um, and yeah, I think his assist against Juve um, for Bellotti's goal, his unbelievable strike against Fiorentina, they'll probably be the highlights of his his Torre career. But if you think of sort of January onwards, he wasn't always starting. He, he was sometimes coming off the bench and. Sometimes when he was starting, he sort of had a good sort of 10, 20 minutes and then sort of gone a bit quiet. So he's not a... I think if of the lone players who... I think if you said that we could only sign one, of, if you could guarantee me that Pryat would play 30 games next season and you said we could only sign one of them, I'd, I'd have Pryat every every time. So I think that sort of that sort of tells you sort of, he's, had, he's had a good season, but but not a great season. I think there's a few things to unpick. I think you're right. We don't want players who don't want to be there. So if he doesn't want to be there, um, with all the love in the world, you can do one. Um, I, I'll, I'll lay it out there. I would have been happy for him to stay. Um, I think he's a player with potential, but I think he's kind of done what was said on the tin when he came for Wolfsburg. He, the, the, kind of, the kind of feeling was he would start well. He would give us some great moments and would start fading away and go missing in games. That, that was something I read when we, when we signed him. And the reality is he started, he started reasonably well. He had quite a good autumn. I had a look earlier and thought, how many games has he really, I remember really him playing. He's, he's been a moments player. Uh, great goal against Udinese, one of the kind of 
yeah, possibly the goal of the season. Um, you mentioned the uh, there's a goal against Venezia as well, which was was great. The assist in the derby. I remember him playing very well. The first time we kind of really came to the fore was the Sassuolo uh, away game. We won one nil, but I don't think he I don't think he influences games enough. I think he has gone missing. There's a couple of factors in play. We've got a Croatian coach. He's a Croatian player, so you'd think that rapport would be would be quite strong. It's a World Cup year. He is borderline Croatian squad he's probably going to make it but if he makes the wrong move um, his place is at risk at Torino if Torino had signed him it'd be pretty safe he'd be going to the World Cup I think um, so unless he you know unless he has something fixed in mind I do wonder if the club based on his form between January and April started to push back to Wolfsburg and maybe gave him the gave him the impression that he wasn't wanted it wasn't a fake complete that he was going to sign uh, he's changed agents apparently recently as well so there's the whole set of factors at place and with Cairo you never know do you you never know whether it, the fact that it's very strongly been put in the German press and um, from Vagnetti today that this Brecolo's call but what are the factors that have led to that call um, I do think for 11 million euros you would have represented good value probably would have had a good resale value um, but we messaged earlier, and I just think, well, if you know, if that money is spent on Priet, it's it, the money is spent elsewhere in the team, and we don't want to bring in loads of loan players. But let's say once a season, we we take a stab at one of these type of players with the intention of signing them, um, and if it works out, you have a good season from them. Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't always think you have to own every every single player. There needs to be a project there, but if you have room in the squad, maybe for for someone you're going to take a punt on. Uh, and we've said before, when Torino spend money, it's not always gone well. And not convinced necessarily if we'd spent the money on Brecolo that, um, that necessarily we would have got a great second season. It's a shame because we've won at Verona. Um, he He's a positive attacking player. We're, we're kind of feeling good about the season at the moment. And then it starts to think, okay, Brecolo's not staying there's an ultimatum today on Priot, and I just think that one's going to rumble on with, with Leicester a bit. What's happening with Belotti? Bremer's possibly played his last game, and then you start thinking, well, you know, what, what, what are we going to? Are we going to? Because the season starts very early next next season as well. We're going to get to right round four of the season with with half a team and and bringing in players to save two hundred and fifty thousand euros in the last minute. So it's. This summer, there's no excuses for Cairo and Van Yes. You want to see a project, want to see him on the front foot. And if this guy doesn't want to stay, that's fine. It's And if it's not their fault, it's not their fault. But let's see what happens over the next few weeks. Let's start seeing um, some evidence that we're going to build in this season. And I think it's going to be key. What's what's Juric going to say on Thursday's press conference about this? And um, he, you know, he's not going to stand for... He's not going to stand for the situation. And if I think it would be clear if it's Brecolo's decision by what you and I think if it's Brecolo's decision, Jurich will accept that. Um and yeah, we don't we don't want to get too lost in the cold kind of culture Mercato thing because we, we are going to dedicate time in the next few weeks. Just I'll close with saying two things. Well, with the Blotti situation in a few days, we might know more. It does seem like Mandragora that kind of um we're going to exercise the the buying right on that one. Um but I think it's going to be very very interesting few weeks I know before we talk about our little concept piece and in this week's podcast if you there's anything else you want to um 
you, yeah, you, any, yeah, just, any other thoughts? Yeah. Just one, I think there was a good point you made there actually about um, Toro probably haven't given Brekelo the massive, a massive feeling of being wanted and maybe that's had some impact on his decision and that might be something that she might come out to sort of save face with the fans um, because it, I imagine he probably won't be massively popular for like, like you and I don't really want players who don't want to be there but if Toro really wanted to keep him, then maybe they could have made that decision a little bit earlier, sort of January, February, just be like, actually, we're happy. We're gonna buy. We're gonna buy you at, even like even by Christmas. There were, I mean, there were rumours that the sort of deal was going to be done in in the January transfer window. Really, yeah. Why so not do it? Yeah. It's... If if we really wanted him, I think, and maybe that's some for maybe a lesson for the future. If we do go and sort of get a, like a wild card loan player next season with an option to buy, and they do really well, just go and buy him because really. What we could have done with Brekelo is even if he said, I don't really want to be here, uh, we'd be like, well, let's buy you for 11 million and then we'll put you, we'll sell you for 15, 16. If he had that good of a year, if, if a team wanted him that much, they would probably pay a little bit extra, like knowing that they've actually, Torino, he's had a good year at Torino, so his value's increased. And the reason why he's probably so low in value at the moment is that he's only got one year left on his contract. Um, whereas if, so they said, actually, let us, let us just exercise the option and then we'll just sell you in the summer. Um, but whether that whether that would have been a possibility, but I think I think maybe, yeah, I think hopefully that's a lesson for the future if we do sign a player in a similar situation and then they start really well. Don't just, don't sort of think you can get a discount at the last minute because you, you don't tend to get discounts on, on things that people want. Um usually get discounts on things people don't want and, and then maybe not the sort of players that, that Toro should be signing. Do you know who does love Toro? Samana Verdi. Davide Nicola. Oh, I'm right track. This is, a, this is a little impromptu uh, section because um, I think we've got to admit we would like Salernitana to stay up. Um, we want Davide Nicola to stay up. Because That's we just because we never get a result in Cagliari. Um, ah, I mean, Cagliari does Lecce coming up, my friend, and we never get a result in Lecce. So, um, but what it what it what it made us think, and there's a slight irony, is we, we are going to relegate Salernitana in, in this section. But uh, we want Davide Nicola to to stay up. Um, but it got us thinking if if we were to design a twenty team Serie, a, uh, who would be in it from? And this is from a Torino fans' perspective, and this is kind of maybe for one season only what would be the kind of ideal component um, of a Serie A season for Torino? So I have bought this on Rob very quickly today. Um, so apologies, Rob. I'm going to throw a few things at you. But what, what we have agreed is a certain teams that by history, tradition, reputation, uh, are going to be in Serie A, whether, whether we like it or not, including Torino. Um, so I think we got to 14 teams who... Uh, in, in our own Torino Serie A Super League, get, get a pass. So I'm gonna, I'll read them out quickly. The two Milan clubs, the two Roman clubs, the two Genoa clubs, although I, I feel a space for one of those to be in Serie B because probably over the last 30 years, very often one of them has. But let's say we, in the ideal Serie A, we're going to have a Genoa derby. We're going to have Torino, we're going to have the mob from Veneria. Um, unfortunately, we do have to include them because it is fun seeing them lose matches. Uh, and then the two teams not from uh, two teams who don't have a, a derby in their city. So Napoli and Fiorentina make up the 10. And then, yeah, we, there's four more. So um, 
Verona and Cagliari, um, Cagliari by uh, both Scudetto winners. Um, Cagliari kind of representing Sardinia. Uh, Bologna, Bologna spent 75 seasons in Serie A, five titles. My, my kind of slight issue with Bologna is in the time I've been an Italian football fan, so many of their seasons have been so unremarkable. I think they're the most unremarkable team in Serie A. They just get by. and Nice to uh, Sorry, I love Bologna. Bologna. Bologna after Turin is my favourite city in Italy. So that's what also one of the reasons in this. this and it, 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 we also got to think away games we might want to go to. And then the next team is Atalanta, who probably five or six seasons ago may have been a bit borderline. We may, may have kind of considered them a bit of a yo-yo club, but I think they've they've kind of done enough. Bergamo have a nice city. So they're the 14. We're promoting one team from currently in Serie B, which is Parma, which... I had some uh, doubts about it, but I think Parma, just their European success in the 90s is, and, and the kind of cult teams they had, I think, will have Parma in there. So the other thing, I think 20 teams Serie A is, is a bit too baggy, but we've got to be glad there is 22, 20 teams because Torino would probably be playing in Serie B if, if there hadn't been some of the last few seasons. So there are 15. So Rob and I, uh, we've kind of said, how will we fill the next five spaces for our one season dream Serie A. Um, so we're effectively at the moment relegating the following teams, Udinese, Sassuolo, Salernitana, Spezia, Venezia, and uh, sorry for the guys at uh, Talking Empoli, you, you're gone as well. Um, so, But they could be, we could be bringing them back. It's just, it's not, not and I think Udinese is... Um, uh, slightly unfortunate uh, victims of this situation. Um, they're just a bit boring. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, Udine is one of the places I'd like to go to to see Torino play away. So I, I have been, I've been to Udine, not to yeah. watch Torino, um, because I managed to get um, stuck in Italy. Remember the Icelandic uh, Ashfeld? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was in Italy, I was in Trieste, uh, had to stay for an extra week, and then Obviously, there were Serie A games, so um, made the short trip to Udine. It's mm, they've they've done the stadium up since I went, so it's probably nicer to go there now than it was when I went. I think they they played Bologna from there, um, and yeah, I, I I think just to sort of just to preempt the discussion, I think they need to be included, um, just because they did have a very good spell in sort of like the sort of. 2010 sort of the Di Natale era well, sort of I think it, yeah league. I think even before that with the Zaccaroni Bierhoff team I think there's a yeah, bit and of the Zico, re- they've, had, they've had some good yeah, players they've had some good there's a bit of recency bias over Udinese I think their their better work has been over the last 25 years but we'll throw them in there I've put them in one of the groups and if we want to bring them back we can but we've got five spots yeah um and Robert early did send me the, the four teams, actually, because it was four at the time, because we hadn't relegated Udinese at that stage. But the four teams he would like to be in. Uh, so, Rob, you can make a call for them. But I have actually grouped up how we might bring in these five teams. OK, the six teams, I've, it's a bit of a dictatorship, this, but six teams. OK, one of the rules is any team you mentioned has to have played one season in Serie A at least. Um, but the six teams I'm... I'm discounting but and you can argue at me if you want to keep any of these six okay Sassuolo, Empoli, Chievo, Spal, Modena and Brescia are not going to be in our area have you got any no, any think, of them you want 
I think that's fine. I was thinking earlier, I was thinking of sort of size of city and I think Brescia is surprisingly a big city. Um, but no, they, they can go. Okay. They we can, can always go. come back. Okay. So uh, the first category where I think we need to take two teams from, again, we can review this at the end, but uh, we've only got one seven team, which is Napoli. Um, personally, I don't think um, Napoli needs a derby, uh, but I've pulled... Also, thinking about this, I think we need regions in Italy represented. Um, so there's two regions in Italy from the south where I think we need to have at least at least one team. One is Puglia and one is Sicily. So from Puglia, uh, we've got a choice of Bari, Lecce and Foggia, but I've got a wild card in there. And then Sicily, um, really we're choosing from Palermo, Catania, Messina, um, You've got you want two from Sicily, don't you? Yeah, although I have, I, seeing as we're thinking of this from a Toro perspective, I have got another team who weren't in my original four, so I Devil. might, I may uh, sacrifice one of my Sicilians. Okay, well um, let's uh, so we can we can kind of review this at the end because certain decisions uh, there might be compromises later on we need to get to. But if you were instinctively, I'm going to let you, Rob, choose one yeah. team from Sicily. Who would you choose? If I had to pick one, it would be Palermo. Yeah, okay. I would choose Palermo as well. Palermo are in for me. Catania. Uh, I, just, I, I, think, re- I really yeah. like derbies. You, you like derbies, but yeah, I think that Sicilian derby is... Um, <laughs> the last one Last one was pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, and I, I think... I think there's too many derbies in our league. This, actually, is, this is the only way that Catania will be able to stay uh, not being bankrupt if they're in Syria. So I'm also yeah. doing it for the people of Catania. No, I mean, it's a, it's a big city, Catania. Not to, It'll be one of the biggest cities to be left out of Syria. But if, if we take Palermo for now, one of the five spots. Uh, from Puglia, as I said, you've got Bari, Lecce and Foggia. And I, I know you have a preference here. Um, but I'm going to throw in one more. And I've said... Every team has to have played in Serie A, but I'm going to throw in Taranto, which is the biggest city never to have had a Serie A team. And I think in any makeup of Serie A, there's always like one of these, there's always a kind of wild card story, a romantic story. So just consider it maybe one spot for someone who's never been there. So I've no no affiliation with Taranto. I mean, they're called Taranto Football Club. It rings well with the name of our club. But if... Yeah, it's it's kind of be there in the background, but I know from Paulia you have a preference, which is Fodger. You're a Fodger. Um, I've I, I like the story of Fodger. Um, the other two, Bari and Lecce. Lecce, we always lose. I'd love to. Uh, you've been to Lecce. I'd love to go to Lecce. Yeah, um, it's it's a really very nice, nice city, very nice yeah. stadium. Very nice. The stadium is quite nice as well. The result not so much, but the stadium. Yeah. Nice. But if, we've been relegated at Lecce. We got battered last time. Um, so I don't think we're going to let Lecce in as our Puglia representative. Um, Bari is the ninth largest city in Italy. It's got that big old stadium. Passionate fan base. Yes, passionate, um, passionate fan base who support Juventus. Any city which has hosted a Juventus home game can't be massively uh, passionate for, for their own local side, would be my argument. Well, this is this is why I like these debates. So, yeah, I might not be able to go back to Bari. Palermo, Palermo, back to Bari though. Uh, Palermo has hosted Juventus uh, European games, hasn't it? Oh. Do we have to rethink that one as well? 
yeah, mate, no, for, for, we've got to have a team in Sicily at least one. Uh, okay, okay, we've got to have yeah, one team in, from the south that has uh, hosted Juve home games only. All right, so ruling at Bari. Um, so I'm going to let you take decision um, to be the second southern representative. Do you want? Do you want? The nost- the nineties nostalgia of Fodger. Zeman is still the coach, isn't he? Or he's been back he, as coach. He's back, yeah. He's yeah. back. So do you want do you want kind of the aging Zeman at Fodger who are gonna concede two hundred and forty five goals in the season? Um or but, but score just as many. Score yeah, score hundred and sixty maybe and get into lots of fights with Juventus. Ah, this is another good point. Zeman would be great value for uh for go- uh, gobble bashing as well, so exactly. Um, or my ra- my random shout of Toronto. So your call. Um, I like the idea of Toronto. I like having that sort of sort of an underdog that you can sort of cheer on. But I think Fudge can do that. Uh, they can be the neutral's choice, especially if Zeman's uh, in, in charge. They've got that nostalgia of the sort of nineties. Um, I. I quite again. I, I I don't mind Lecce coming back up. I, I quite like them as a club. Despite... I just want to say on record, I'm very happy Cremonese have come up. I, I yes, quite that... nostalgic about. The, I love that kit, Cremonese. Yeah, very very um, rare uh, niche kit. I don't think any other club in the world can uh, sort of. I, I know Alessandria play in sort of grey, but I don't think it's grey and red. Uh, so yeah, no, I was I was happy to see grey, especially because it meant that Monza didn't go come up. Who was basically just uh, Milan part two um, okay but right, only because well, they're, they're owned by Berlusconi but yeah but my um, yeah my pick is Foggia fair enough so we've got Palermo and Foggia I think one of the relegation spots decided already for our season so no offence there man but um, so we've got three more spots and I've got uh, about five categories for you so bear with me uh, so one the tourist I've called it the tourist spot so you could choose uh, for one of these, uh, not all of them are necessarily tourist locations, but I'd say ni- nice places in Italy. So I've got Padova, Mantova, Venezia, who are one of your choices, Siena, and a, a late caller putting the old Lake Como in there as well. So that, that could be one group. You could have one from that group. Another category called Historic Revival, where you can get um, a team with, re- with real pedigree. So uh, Triestina, um, since we've... These are all from the northeast, actually. So there's there's a chance to bring in someone um, uh, with with potentially losing Udinese, but Triestina twentieth in terms of um, points earned in Serie A. So they would be literally on the cusp. Vicenza thirty seasons in Serie A, Coppa Italia win, Paolo Rossi, Robbie Baggio, and then this is a chance to bring Udinese back. I'd say I've called them a kind of historic revival, but it's essentially a northeast a northeast thing. Uh, another category would be the Tuscan Derby, because we only have one team from Tuscany, uh, where I've whittled it down in my dictatorship to Livorno, uh, who would be the team who's had most seasons in Serie A after Fiorentina. Lucchese, a lot of nice links with Il Grande Torino. And Pisa, which probably could have put in the tourist spot. Um, so, yeah, pot- potential to beef up uh, Tuscany. Another category is... Uh, representation in other areas of Italy. So from Calabria, you could have Regina or Crotone. Umbria could have Perugia. And the Marche, I've put Ascoli and Ancona. Final category, Robert. This is a Torino podcast. 
do we want the old third team in Piedmont for another derby? So, Pro Vercelli, Navarra, Alessandria. There's some Scudetto, there's some Scudetto Shields in that. Uh, As this is a Torino podcast, am I tempting you with that? The three three spots. I realize it. I realize there's a lot of content there. Yeah. What are um, your thoughts? So, so we've we've taken we've taken two. So we've got Palermo. We've got Foggia. Yeah, I think we, I think the South needs to. Uh, in the... the only the only thing I'd say if we choose more teams from the South in this group, which I don't think there's too many anyway, yeah. unless we went for Calabria, then I think those two are safe, and we're we're kind of choosing three more. I think in the let's go for the tourist city, and yeah. as you, as you said, I'm going to have to go for Venezia. Um, the fact that you have to get a boat to get to the stadium just makes that better than any of the picks that you can have. Even just even the sight of Torino players just on the boat going to the game, which like gave me just like I mean that's pretty cool, isn't it? And and unfortunately Venezia, as soon as they lose, as soon as they move into like a stadium, um, like, which obviously isn't in sort of traditional Venice, uh, and you can get to by road, they'll have to be relegated. Um, but Venezia for me, if you if you think of an ideal um, twenty-team Serie A, who doesn't want to go to Venezia away on a on a boat? The only other thing I would say, if you choose Venezia as another team from the northeast, yeah, then the Triestina Vicenza Udinese, one I, of their places, becomes risky. So I've been to I've been to Triestina and I've been to Vicenza games. Vicenza for the Torino aspect, start, play at the Stadio Romeo Menti. Romeo Menti, right in the Southampton, the old Southampton kit. Yeah, so yeah, and, and red and white is not a um, kit that that teams like in Italy. So I do have a soft spot for Vicenza. Only issue is maybe a controversial one. They have gone bankrupt. I think they've um, combined with another Vicenza side. Yeah, you might, um, but, but this is slightly... Let's not know. talk about that. Um, yeah. It's just... <laughs> um, so that I do, I do have a soft spot for Vicenza. Um, I like and... the fact that to have a... It's a Torino podcast. To have a Grande Torino, we've, we've yeah. ruled out Brescia, Brescia very early on. So have the Menti Stadium in Serie A would be quite I'm nice. Happy to have, I'm happy to have Vicenza over the Udinese. So there'll be no spot for Udinese in Triestina. And I've got to tell you, Venezia and Nara will be at risk. Because I, I also agree, I think I'm going to put Vicenza in there as well. I think there's enough nostalgia They have a derby with Hellas. Yeah, they do actually. Very interesting derby. And, and I think... So you bring, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of derbies, I think I don't think you need a Tuscan side because Fiorentina's fans derby is with Juve. Yeah, no, I agree, but I, 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 I don't think you necessarily need it from the derby element. I wonder if there's some kind of nice, interesting fan bases out. I think I rule Pisa out. Um, Livorno brings. Um, Politically brings a very different type of fan base or uh, uh, kind of unique fan base, and I think Lucchese and Pisa could almost both be in a tourist selection. But if we park them for a minute, um, what do you think of the Piedmont derby? Uh, I've Torino, po- to... Torino podcast, my friend. Was it Alessandria, Provercelli, and Navarra? Yeah, I've been to two of the three. Um, I went to a cup game in. It was, I think, it was a Serie C. Cup game at Provercelli, and I genuinely thought that the penalty shootout was going to go on for so long that I was going to miss my flight back to England. It was like one of those sort of 13 12 affairs. 
Um, but you you you, and... you, took, you took Taranto away from me, so. <sighs> Yes, I've, I've got a Provercelli, the fairy story, and all of this, Robert. They just don't. The problem is that it is a nice story, but Vercelli isn't the biggest town. In is there a difference between take having Provercelli and then having Sassuolo? I know it's a, I know it's a Toro podcast, but I think it, for that Toro purpose, I I've, I've got one spot left, and there's a side I want in who wasn't originally in my list. It's not Catania, obviously. Okay, we'll, we'll maybe come back to it. But I think just to have that three-way... Because I think when Navarra came up, Juventus weren't in the league, were they? Was that the year Juventus no, went to uh, no, I think, no, they were. I think they were. Were they? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't quite remember if uh, if we did have the three-way derby. Because they because uh, Navarra beat uh, Inter, I think, on their first game. So I, th- I think I think Navarra came up in about 2009-2010. Okay, so who's, um, your, who's, who's the other team you'd like in? We can see... We'd see. Uh, I think I, I think you made a good point about um, representation in other areas of Italy, and it's a team who Toro have history with, and it's a nice city, so it fits all the categories. So it's Perugia. Yeah, Perugia as a Torino fan, you got a very mixed feelings about because we had some fair. Those playoff games were were pretty nasty, uh, but they did deny Juventus a, a scudetto. Um, well, but the the rain and Pierluigi Colina also right, yeah had some, and I think. I think if we're not having a second team from, I, I mean, some people get upset by this, but but Umbria is quite has a lot of similarities with Tuscany, and Perugia would be a nice place to go to. Um, and I think yeah, you got a bit bit more representation there in, in central Italy as well. Um, so Perugia, Perugia is definitely one. Um, I think there's probably clubs in there with. Probably with a little bit more credentials, but I think geographically it could be interesting. And it's we're probably we didn't go for the tourist spot, did we yet? So um, it could, we're oh, kind well, of adding in a, a, another I'm nice in, spot in there. See, I was pretty, I was pretty secure on Venezia, but I think you're going to take that away from there. Yeah, which is why I should have took Foggia so early. So let's just say at the moment we've got Palermo, Foggia, Vicenza, and Perugia. I do think this there's an element of kind of uh, teams who've been in there in the last 20, 25 years. Um, so if I'm looking where the gaps are now, uh, there's, there's a chance to bring Udinese back, but I think maybe Vicenza have taken that spot. And I think in an ideal world, you've got a, a biggish team in the, in our new Serie B, and maybe Udinese is a team we just parked there for a year to, to, to kind of come back up. Um so, uh, if we're not going to have a team from Calabria, I I, I am going to push for um, uh, Venezia. I'm not too bothered about. I mean, they can have their they can have their boat trips in in, in Serie B and play them in the Coppa Italia or something. Um, well, I maybe, mean, if we're, uh, we're going to have things that are massively unrealistic, could we just ask for like an FA Cup draw Coppa Italia as well, where you can sort of get any from maybe, Serie D as well? We, we could maybe do that next week. But um, <laughs> I think, to be honest with you, I, I like the Venezia story, and I think if Venezia hadn't come up this season, I'd probably, I'd probably think, yeah, be great, that would get Venezia up, and it would be. But I think the fact that they've been there this season, and like I said, it's a it's a Torino podcast. I'm just trying to put if I put the Torino spin on this. Uh, Vicenza we've got the Menti, Perugia, actually Perugia we've got a bit of nail with, so it'll be an interesting game as well, and that's that's probably one aspect missing. Um, Venezia, you've got the, the link of Matt Sola and Loic. Well, the, 
there is that as well. But I think Torino with with our I was, very I was ri- a desperate man. That one. <laughs> with our very rich history, you will you will find connections everywhere, Robert. If you if you look for them, but no, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, this 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 last point. I mean, Taranto may you know they may still be getting a spot here if we can't decide. But the the thing that really annoys me, I what? think I've been to Taranto, and I can't remember it. So that's okay, sort of an yeah. rule me out. Uh, if you if you can't remember it, then uh, we may be in trouble. But um, what about if we go? If you didn't, if you had a bad time in Vercelli, but we go and Navarro have already been up there. We go for Alessandria as the third. As is the just if, just if for one keep, season. If they keep uh, Longo as coach, then okay. So this is the deal. I've I just got a report. Davide Nicola is a new coach of Vicenza. Okay, so he he's there. And uh, Longo Longo gets the gig at Alessandria with, with the third Piedmont derby. Um, and this is I fixed this for you. The three teams coming up from Serie B the following season will be Udinese, Venezia, and um, and Lecce. There you, there you go. So we re- we recycle we recycle well. I think Alessandria, Foggia, and uh, possibly and Torino to relegate Perugia late in the season will be um, in the rain. In the rain. So let's take it again. We've got our 15 teams. We're adding a team from Sicily, Palermo. We're adding a team from Puglia. Uh, probably not the biggest, but the most nostalgic in Foggia. Uh, from the northeast, we're kind of we're going to switch for a season Udinese with Vicenza. Uh, we're gonna have a, a kind of needle match in Perugia to have a, and and they're kind of, uh, you know, another nice city in Italy to bring in. And Rob doesn't like Vercelli. No appreciation for for the hard end Scudetti of uh, of last year. So we we're going to Moreno Longo brings Alessandria, and with our twenty team. So are you, are you reasonably happy with that? I'm, I'm, I am happy with that. I am happy with that. Like you say, we'll we'll get Venezia in the cup. Get Venezia in the cup, yeah, and um, yeah, all right. Anyway, that was uh, that was a bit of fun for a Monday evening. Yeah, I feel like we might be getting a lot of stick from uh, Sassuolo fans, or two of them will phone in. They can't they can't see their computers because of the mist, anyways. So. Um, yeah, that is a very good point, and yeah, I, I may have said some some mean things about Bari which I don't mean I've, I can remember I, going to Bari that yeah, nice friend, friends of Bari I would have had you in there but Robert didn't want you in there and Sassuolo every time we play you it's, we can't see the match so that's why you're not in there um, alright you're going to talk we'll go a little bit quick of our not necessarily the hero I'll go quick with the villain this week but you're I, I'm just going to name your hero because that's the sort of mood I'm in uh, so your hero and uh, I think this guy's a bit of a cult hero Maximiliano Gaston Lopez, go for it. So he, he came into sort of my mind. He's sort of been a player that I've wanted to to do in this segment for for a couple of weeks now. But it was the absolute randomness that he's uh, apparently part of a possible consortium to take over Birmingham City. Um, because I saw him on his, I still follow him on Instagram, which is always a a sign of a legend. Because usually, if you leave Torino, you get quickly unfollowed by me. Um, but yeah, I saw him at a Birmingham City game on Instagram and thought it's a little bit weird. Uh, Googled it and turns out that he is looking at buying Birmingham City. I don't think it will go through, but 
who knows, maybe in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Sorry to interrupt you. Vanyati's just texted me and said, "If if Brekolo knew he was going to lose, going to lose your support on Instagram, then uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the game changer. That is the game <laughs> changer. No, as like, again, Joe Hart still gets a follow, so um, as long as you leave on good terms, it's okay. Um, but yeah, and talk about Maxi Lopez literally likes everything Joe Hart puts on on Instagram, um, like almost like stalker level. Um, but maybe they just got on really well. Um, but yeah, Maxi Lopez." Court hero definition, I think. Um, he just, he was at the club at a really good time um, of success. Um, signed in the in the season that we got into the uh, Europa League. So he was sort of a replacement for, for a mobile, I'd imagine. Or obviously we'd lost a mobile and, and Churchy uh, going into the Europa League. But he played sort of a key role for a number of seasons. Uh, instrumental in the... Europa League victory against Bilbao, scored a brace in the uh, game at home and also scored uh, a really crucial equaliser to make it 2-2 in the game in Spain. Um, And he was just a a bit of a throwback, really. Uh, You think of an Argentinian Argentinian striker, you sort of think of Aguero, you think of sort of Messi, you sort of think of Argentinian forward players. Maxi Lopez, probably not your sort of yeah, sort of stereotypical uh, Argentinian striker, um, but he was really effective, and he really bought into I think Torino really early on. He'd been at big clubs, he'd been at Barcelona, he'd been at Milan, been at Catania, um, but he was. I think there was a. We'll, we'll go onto it, and, I, and I'm sure people listening probably are aware of it as well. There is also always the sort of sideline of of any game against Inter. Um, when he'd be lined up against Mario Riccardi, who, for those who don't know, uh, Max Lopez's wife um, sort of left uh, Lopez for Riccardi. So it was always, always a little bit of needle when those two players um, sort of were on opposite teams. I think they were both at Sampdoria together and being Argentinian, Lopez sort of welcomed Riccardi into his, his family and uh, Riccardi took that a little bit too literally. Um and yeah, so we ha- we had a very good record, funnily enough, against Inter, especially at San Siro during these times. We won twice in 2015 and uh, 2016. Um, Lopez didn't score uh, in any of the games, but was very prevalent in the sort of post-match celebrations to try and sort of get one over on Icardi. Um, and yeah, he just... He court hero is probably a great way to describe it. Not, definitely not one of the best players to play for Torino. Wasn't there for the longest time either. But a decent return, seventy appearances and twenty goals. Um, that's a that's a decent strike rate, nearly just over one in three. So yeah, I think he and I can remember when we beat Juve in the derby. There were sort of scenes of him driving his car back in the centre of Torino and fans stopping him realizing who it was and he sort of got out the car and celebrated with them and that's that's what you want from a Torre player you want you don't want Fabio Qualiarella scoring the winner and not celebrating you want players who, who want to celebrate it just as much as the fans and and that's exactly what Lopez did and I think I don't think you'll find a Torino fan who dislikes Maxi Lopez which probably is, is criteria enough to to put him in the hero category yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. I, I I loved the guy when he played played for Torino. He he um kind of started backwards, and I like chuckled when I kind of remembered this this morning. But um, the reason he left 
or, or the reason he kind of got phased out is because Mihailovic linked his linked him to being having the mobility. I can't remember if it was a fridge or a washing machine. Um, As a slightly he, larger man, then yeah. I, I I can have <laughs> some sympathy with you there, Maxi. But I I always think Maxi Lopez would have been great 15, 20 years earlier. I don't think he he liked a fag and a beer. He he wasn't always. Yeah, he he wasn't always the most kind of athletic in um in appearance. Um and of, of those games he played for Serena, he only played ninety minutes nine times uh, out of sixties uh, of his sixty Serie A games. The other interesting thing is Torino after Catania, he had two spells at Catania, but Torino is the club he spent um he played most games for. So he's a real journeyman. Um and he played 83 times at Catania, 70 at Torino, but he played double the minutes at Catania. So it just goes to show at Torino, he was kind of used as an impact player and a very effective one. Um, I've talked about the end. Yeah, Mihailovic wasn't, Mihailovic really, I don't know, didn't, didn't, didn't kind of fancy him at all. But he started, he just had a dream start, didn't he? He got that goal at Chizena, uh last minute goal, I think. One of his first games, and then he just kind of rolled into those Bill Barrow matches and the two goals, um, two goals at home and the the, the goal away in Bill Um and was just yeah he could always be relied on. He, I, I do think he had a massive impact in that first six months. Um, he did really well. The second two seasons, if you break it down to the stats, uh, not necessarily that impressive. Um, but he had kind of yeah one one or two really headline games. But he always gave it all. He he understood the club. He played he played to the fans. He knew how to play to the fans. Um, and just yeah, I mean he's he's played in Argentina, Brazil, Spain, Russia, Italy. Um, it, you know he's 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 been about a bit. And um, but yeah, for that for that period. Uh, he was just kind of the perfect signing. Very good foil for Qualiorella while Qualiorella was there. Um, and very good in the air as well. Um, but I just, I kind of just feel, yeah, he couldn't, you weren't going to get a, a successive run out of games for him. You, 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 you kind of have to manage him to, to come in and have an impact, get him motivated, get him concentrated. And in certain, and he seemed to play. He seemed to actually play a lot better in the bigger matches as well. Where, as you said, the Icardi, you know, when when you were the one coming coming off best in in, in that three way thing, it kind of says it all because he I, he he's he's had his own his own backstory as well. It's his kind of um, very colourful character. But yeah, just a real cult hero. He came in at a very kind of. He really changed. Of, he changed that season around. He changed me. that season around because yeah, sort if you look. Dribbled. Yeah, and if you look at that Europa League team, sometimes you look back and like, we went up to Bilbao and won with, and with some genu- very honest genu- players, but yeah. I genuinely think we'd have beaten uh, Zenit if it wasn't for Benassi's red card. Yeah. We came, we came very close to taking him to extra time as it was, but they, they didn't seem to have much to break us through. I think we probably got a nil-nil in Russia and then I think we'd have we'd have finished the job in Turin, which then puts you into sort of, I think that would put us into the quarterfinals. Who knows what could happen then, but yeah, I think the that team did lack, apart from your your man uh, from Morocco. That team did 
did lack a bit of creativity between the lines. So a lot of it was was Darmian, and I mean the the post church the Mobile team was was very reliant on on getting crosses into the box, and um, yeah, he had a transformative effect on probably the greatest Torino era in the last ten years, um, and definitely a cult hero. Not a hero because I just don't think he his body of work on the whole was was impressive enough and I think there were too too many matches and where he, where he, where he wasn't there and not enough not kind of 90 minutes played but yeah he never let Torino down I think very good shout for uh interesting to see how it goes for him in Broad Street over the yeah. next, yeah, <laughs> next might, months and years might not be the best combination to be honest <laughs> but we, we will wait and see we'll wait and see but, let's go um, over to your um your villain. Uh, yeah, my, my villain's going to be quite short. Um, this was a guy, uh, I cut to chase, my villain is Francesco Pratali, who, you know, fairly honest centre-half, um, wound up at Torino in 2008 um, to play... Uh, well, this was a season where Torino had three coaches, Debiazzi, Novellino and Camalese, and what linked them all, they're all coaches who were either under contract and coming back at some point or had already coached Torino. It was a real kind of mess of a season. But um, Pratali came in, and I just remember this. He was brought in to play with Cesare Natale, which was must have been one of the slowest defences we've ever had. And I remember a match very early in the season with Lazio. He was absolutely diabolical, got sent off. Um, Matteo Sereni got sent off as well. We finished with nine men and lost. Um so he was he'd been a very like kind of reliable player at Empoli um but missed the second half of that season with injury that season we ended relegated um second season he comes back from injury we're in Serie B um he gets he started the season with two goals in the first four games it's probably as good as it got at Torino but he was bombed out at Christmas Do you know why he was bombed out because one of those guys at that uh Christmas party and the Davide Di Michele but he was one of that group who was uh, Torino got rid of, he went to Siena on loan and Torino and the Colon Tuone, correct me if I'm wrong, then mounted a very good recovery to get to the playoff final, losing to Brescia. Next season, uh, we bring in probably the worst coach I think we've had for a whole, almost the whole season, which is Franco Lerda. And Pratali's back again. Um, and that season, I think we finished one of our worst seasons possibly if it's not our worst season ever it's our second worst season ever but he played um he played quite a lot of games in the mid-season um but again three three seasons he was part of absolute failure uh and then I'd, i thought he'd been bombed out then from memory then but he hung around for the first season under ventura and played i think he played seven matches two of them were kind of uh giveaways at the end of the season um but i just yeah, those seasons were hard watch being a Torino fan. Um, relegations, really bad seasons in Serie B. Probably if a lot of the worst players we've ever had have, like surfaced in those eras. And I just think, wow, this guy failed once, twice, three times. Um, and I do remember, I remember, I remember living in. You always you've talked before about how how we used to watch games. And when I was living in Paris for a while and. There, Torino were always on. It's quite easy to watch Torino games on Canal Plus, and I just remember, I just remember that era of really 
we had that Davide Bottoni in midfield for a while. He was another player who, uh, yeah, not not one of my favourites, uh, at least technically. But Pratali just seemed to be there was a there was a period where every Sunday it was a, a Pratali mistake would um, would cost us a game. So yeah, I don't think there's necessarily much much debate about him. I just think he's he's one of those guys who every every so often we need a Bidoni, and I think he he is yeah. He was the emblematic figure of that period. Well, nah. I mean, what do you do? You remember much about him? I, I do. I can just remember him being sort of like a sort of tall, slow centre half. Did he have a, a goatee? Yeah, couldn't yeah. even grow a beard. He did. He looked a bit like um, Bal, a younger. He looked like the son of Baldini, who was the coach at Empoli for a while. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you you're right. It's maybe a little bit harsh to pick it out on one player, but. There are players who are just sort of emblematic of it of a of a specific era of Torino, and if you look at like a squad list, you sort of shudder. And Pratali is one of those. Oh, it's just like Pratali's back, and it's just yeah, yeah. If, like you, and if you think, I mean, in the sort of promotion season, you had sort of the Cesare and Glick and yeah, Dog Bonner. Like you, you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have been too reassured if you saw Pratali back in 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 there. I think if you told me I don't know how many players played in that first Ventura season but if you'd said like 25 players made at least one appearance can you name them uh, it would have taken me a long time to get to Francesco Paratale do you remember uh, Christian pa- Christian Pasquata yeah I remember Christian, from I, I would have got, got a Pasquata an unpopular, an unpopular loan sign in that one but now yeah. we do now we just uh, we don't mind it so much with uh, Mandragora except well, Pia- Piazza as well but yeah. yeah of yeah. course yeah basically sure. Piazza, I uh, in I think Piazza. I'm making a prediction. I think you'll roll up at, at Cremonese next season or, or oh. Lecce. Yeah, well, I feel that might be his level next season. Um, that, that'll be this is how Cairo, this, this is how Cairo is going to spin it on Fridays. Uh, we've we've not signed Brecolo because uh, Piazza's a man for us. We've, no, we've we've because all... it'll be because Simone Verdi's coming back. Oh yeah. Do you know what? Uh, before we talk about the Roma game, um, I think we've given Verdi enough a hammering. But about fifteen minutes left of the Cagliari Inter game, I, I switched it on on Sunday evening, and uh, Bazelli. I think Bazelli must have just come on, but I was like, Bazelli must have spent the whole fifteen minutes, sorry, mopping his brow and taking corners. Uh, but and I think maybe it's something we'll go on to in our season review. But yeah, I'm kind of Verdi, Rincon, Bazelli. Um, you know, some of them, some of them more than others gave us good service. But I'm we, we have got, we've done a good, we've had done a good job this season of at least getting rid of players who no longer sort of. Do you know what I didn't realize? What I did not realize. I looked at the contractual status of Torino players um, last week. I was convinced it was Zaza's farewell um, on Friday against Roma, but he's still contracted for another season. I don't um, think when we did we sign him and uh, was it Mihailovic or was it Mazzari? Oh, I think it was Mazzari. Yeah, um, when when lost that cup game, did Zaza score in that for you? There, I can't remember. He scored in a. I think he might oh, have scored. It. He could have. Was that the one with uh, Ichazzo? Was the keeper and yeah. he um, sort of like that was another reason he was not very popular with Torino fans. Is it sort of like there's a famous photo of him sort of like. Bending down and shouting in the chat's face. 
It's actually yeah. always got a little bit of hassle. I remember Ronaldo giving a bit of stick after school. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise. He wouldn't surprise. I mean, he wouldn't surprise me if he was a wind-up merchant. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Zaza. Let's well, let's end the season review with a bit of fun of Zaza. But yeah, I, yeah. There's going to be a whole summer trying to get Bef- Zaza. before we um, go on to Emma. Do you want some really bad news? I feel like I need to apologise to you personally. Okay. You know, I, I wrote off my your Toronto shout because I thought I'd yeah. been there. Yeah, H- hadn't it was Brindisi. Yeah, Brind. Oh, yeah. Okay, so so I knew it was. I knew it was somewhere because I stayed there. Because actually, I'm, what I should have known is that I stayed there to go back into the to to fly back, and it's Brindisi Airport. So I should have should have really known that. Um, well, so yeah, Toronto's, apologies, ter- Toronto's to, lost is Alessandria's ap- gain. Yeah, apologies to the people of Toronto. Uh, I haven't yeah. been there, and welcome to take any complimentary flights should uh, the tourist board be listening. Um, so Thank yeah, you. so we, should we go on to uh, the the sort of last game of the season preview against Roma, who I'm sure will be sort of all their attention is definitely going to be on this game. Well, it's weird with Roma. I don't I don't get it because they seem to be doing their best not to qualify for Europe. Um, I don't understand how they've managed to move this in the fairness of integrity of the competition. I don't know well, how. They... Mourinho did suggest it literally the day they qualified yeah. for the final. Yeah. So I, I, I do think maybe, I, I, I do get the feeling if it was say, I don't know who's maybe a less sexy coach, Vincenzo Italiano, whether he's made that point, whether, whether they would have I, moved I, the I, game. I almost feel like Marino said that and said, well, sack off trying to qualify for the Europa League because the, if you win the conference league, do you get back into the Europa yeah, League? So you get into the Europa yeah. League. I, I, I genuinely think I, I'll be, I'll be very surprised if they play anything close to their first choice eleven. I'll be surprised if sort of Abraham plays, if Pellegrini plays. I think Zaniolo is injured anyway. Um, but I'd be very surprised if any of those started play because I just I, I think they would take that sort of I think they'd take just go into go into the game against Feyenoord knowing that if you win that you're in the Europa League. Their favourite, you would imagine their well, favourite. And you have the kudos of, kudos of winning the cup as well. They win the cup. Yeah. And then if they don't, they're going to be that gutted. Like, in all likelihood, it's probably going to be the Conference League, which they've already been in for a season. They've had sort of obviously reached the final, but they've had a bit of embarrassing moments as well. I, I do think it will be sort of like it. And it's one of those where I remember, in a way, you probably almost want them to play their first choice players because like they're going to be up for it even less than their sort of sort of second choice replacements at least it's sort of a somebody's not first choice might be like oh well I'll, I'll play well in this game to try and like change the manager's mind for for the final I just think actually <laughs> if you play in the sort of the starters they're going to be just like don't get injured for Wednesday don't get injured for Wednesday um so yeah I, think you, I, yeah. I, I, I think he whatever team Mourinho puts out I think I think Torre will have enough, especially in the last game. We'll, we'll hopefully find out about Belotti by then. But say it is going to be his last game, then I think we'll try and get a um, sort of a, a, a good crowd and a, a good performance to, to sort of celebrate that. Um, well, if you break down this kind of European run, if I think Lazio have I've got a draw at Juve. Um, I think they've qualified. Fiorentina, I don't know what they're doing. They've lost four of the last five games. They've somehow lost to Giampaolo Samp 4-1. I mean, Fiorentina don't do Mondays. Uh, I think they lost to... They've shipped four at Toro, home to Udinese, and 
against Sampod. I think they're all on Mondays. Fiorentina play Juve last game. Juve cannot get any closer to Napoli, but there's a bit of needle in that game. Um, um, Atalanta play Empoli last game, so they should they could leapfrog Fiorentina and Roma. So the, the situation is there's kind of oh. lots of possible lots of possibilities. Like you said, Roma know if they beat final, they're they're in the Europa League. Um, I don't know how that impacts if that has any impact on seventh place. And I'm really, but... if you think of a side of sort of Roma's sort of history and tradition, they're probably looking at us. If we win the Europa League, we'll get into. If we win the Conference League, we'll get into the Europa League. If we don't, we don't. We're not in Europe at all. That's probably going to be a better uh, situation for that aim of getting back into the Champions League anyway. So yeah, Marine, I, I, Mar- yeah, Mourinho will spin the narrative. I mean, if they win, yeah. it's, it's I, 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 I think I think they will. I think they will um, beat Feyenoord on uh, when uh, next Wednesday. So I. I I expect if, if any sort of if a competent Torino if there's a, any sort of competent Torino performance similar to sort of the game against Hellas then I, I think we'll beat them quite comfortably. But who knows? I just think it's strange if they are planning to play the young players. Then it's strange that Mourinho was so adamant that he wanted the game on a Friday. But maybe that's just for preparation purposes, just to get the game out of the way so they can the finals in Albania. So when they can just sort of fly out to. To Albania a little bit sooner and and sort of get ready for the final there, do some training there rather than having to sort of wait until like the Sunday and then sort of fly over and only get sort of a, a couple of days before the final to concentrate on it. Yeah, I mean Rome have not won any of the last five games, which shows there's not been a lot of focus on on qualifying through the league. If they'd beaten Venezia on Saturday, it probably would have been a done deal, sadly, and um, even more reason to think it would be a a bit of a passaggiata for Torino on Friday. I, I'm not as confident as you. I think it could end up being... The problem with these sort of matches, if it ends up being... If it's a bit of a box ticking where Ansaldi's got to have his half now, who knows what's happening. You know, to be fair, I think if Belotti announces he's leaving as well, there's going to be a certain amount of kind of... Um, I don't know how. To, I'm not saying he's going to get booed or anything, but I think yeah. it might be a bit of a downer on the situation. Yeah, especially but, like especially with the Breckelow news start of the week. I would, yeah. What I would like to do sometimes, especially especially what you, what happens now with sort of transfers and sort of things, everything gets leaked beforehand. I would just like if it, if Sabalotti is signing a new contract, it's just kept totally secret until it sort of appears on the the website or the Twitter page of just sort of like. A video and you can sort of hype it up it would require some sort of imagination and some media skills which maybe maybe isn't oh, this a, yeah there just seems but... to be a little bits of Belotti doing out there with fans this week and stuff yeah and, and which makes you where are they filming a bit of b-roll for something I don't and know and Caro's always been quite negative about him staying whereas he's been the one this week he's now sort of come out and be like oh well I don't I don't see why he'd want to leave um yeah I I if anything, it's probably just going to make me even more disappointed when the logical thing will happen. Yeah. Um, but it, we've got that glimmer of hope. And I think what we'd always said was if, if there was a project that gave him a reason to stay, I think it would give him the opportunity. I think I even saw something about from his... I, I do follow his wife on, Twitter, on Instagram as well. Um, and I did see something that she'd posted about sort of how sort of Turin was sort of now like a second home for her. 
um, second because she's getting the first time somewhere else. <laughs> uh, uh, no, because she, she's again. I know a little bit too much. I'm, I'm on that Maxi Lopez stalk level here, but I um, yeah, I know a little bit too much about the, the family. Uh, one of my greatest regrets in my uh, in my entire life is I was in a restaurant in Turin, and Bellotti walked outside, but Bellotti was walking his dog. I only found out because I heard somebody in the restaurant saying it's that like I just overheard a conversation where they mentioned Bellotti. Um went outside, he was there, and unfortunately the dog had just um had just done a poo and, <laughs> and Bellotti had just picked it up and uh, was then getting accosted by Toro fans. Uh and I just didn't feel comfortable to ask a man with shit in his hand <laughs> uh if I could get a photo. That would have been that would have been a good snap, but yeah, but yeah, I think that might be a, a better way than, yeah, than, I just, than any to uh, to end it. Yeah, I I think Friday. I hope it's not a weird kind of game with his lots of substitutions. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me for a long while. The Torino Roma game in Turin was was a long period where it finished one one. Funny enough, the last five meetings we've had two three one wins, including a pretty valuable win last season. And three three kind of very narrow defeats. So we've not had a draw for a while. I, I wouldn't surprise me if it's 1-1. Bellotti gets a penalty or something. Um, I don't expect... I wouldn't play Brekolo. I don't think I don't no. think that's going to happen now. So, But I think Sin goes out, Bremer's out, Bongiorno's out. And, and, I know in, especially depending on what sort of lineup Roma play, I, I do think maybe Juric will sort of match up and, and play players who are definitely going to be here next season. So... So, I wouldn't bother playing Pabega. I'd play Sec, play Bongiorno, play Ansaldi. I know well, Ansaldi would be the, the sort of anomaly to that. Um, and and sort of because because ultimately, it, I think I think we'd we'd like it as Toro fans as just a bit of progress to finish in the top ten after sort of two poor seasons. But if we finish ninth or tenth, it's not massively. It's not really going to make much of a difference. Sassuolo, who are behind us. Um, I've got obviously Milan, which is going to be the sort of a crucial game for the Scudetto. Um, so yeah, I think it. What I actually like about it, especially on the last day of the season, when a lot of things are happening, games can sort of get caught and and sort of missed. It was actually being the only game on the Friday night. Might get sort of a few more eyes on people, especially sort of sort of the, the season's coming to an end. Don't think there's any playoff games on Friday in England, so might get a few more people watching watching Toro who who might not normally. Yeah, no, it's nice to have the game on Friday evening. Um I I mean if you look at the it would be nice to retain tenth. All we've got to do is match well, Sassuolo play after us, but you would I mean Milan could still draw and win the Scudetto. Um so you know that could end up as a draw. But so we I think if we get a result we'll finish tenth. But also if we win, uh Verona go to Lazio, they would then have to win because we've got the better in the head-to-head. So ninth is on there, and it's just nice to have those targets, I think, to, as we said, get get beyond 50 points. If you look um, at, two if you defeats look at in 11 as well, and just keep that... Uh, Roma, you know, Roma have not won in five. Their mind's going to yeah. be elsewhere. So if Juric can... You just hope this week doesn't... You know, it's not going to be uh, every day a different player not staying and, 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 and a kind of negative snowball effect. But if we can... We might not have we, players to field. Yeah, but if we go out, if we go out playing a high intensity game against a team that oh, if it, essentially if, if, wants to avoid injuries, yeah, um, then 
you know, it's set up for us. But I, I do have a feeling it's just there's going to be external factors which make it a slightly stodgy game, um, slightly ceremonial. And I think it might finish 1 1. But I like your positivity. Yeah, I, th- I, I just, I've just got a feeling that, that Roma just aren't going to be up for it. E- either way, they're sort of second choice sides, has already lost 6 1 in sort of Norway this season. Uh, so if they play that, I don't think that's much to, to sort of worry about. And if they play the starters again, I just uh, the mentality of a, of a professional footballer, I just don't think they're going to be massively up for it. And all it will take is sort of the first sort of a semi-rough t- challenge from sort of an Itzo or, or a Zima, and they're going to be like, actually, that's just not worry about this. Not that they go through the game, but just if our intensity and our desire is sort of anywhere near what it's been this season, I don't think Roma will be able to match that. Cool. Right, so Friday evening it is, last game of the season. I think next week's pod will obviously look at the Roma game, uh, but probably we'll do some alternative awards for the season. Yeah, and we should hopefully and... finally have a answer on the Bellotti question. So might be a little segment on that, depending on what the answer is. Yeah, maybe, maybe right. more than Bellotti. Maybe there'll be a... Yeah, a couple of fantastic new signings to to talk about. But yeah, I think we'll definitely keen on a kind of end of season review, then maybe maybe a pod looking forward to next season and then we'll give you all a break from us for for much of the summer. Um but Robert, I enjoyed this one. Um you go to bed and have a little think about what you did to the people of Bari and Taranto. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna be welcome in the south of Italy or in uh, or in Sassuolo. But um, yeah, it was all a bit of fun. It was all, all a bit of an end of season fun. I hope uh, nobody took too much offence for it before uh, anybody starts uh, picking on me on Twitter. Forza Toro. Forza Toro. <laughs>